Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. So you want your charity to succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success. And practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect place to learn from experts around the world who, along with our host, provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books cover a broad range of topics from major gift fundraising to use of social media and how to succeed online. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you maneuver through this economic downturn in the charitable sector to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. Remember, this is a live call-in show. Become part of the show by adding your voice. Call now at 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Just click on radio links. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And this is Ted Hart uh, coming to you live from the global headquarters of the Charities Aid Foundation of America. Uh, Today is uh, Tuesday, June 4th, and this is our latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. And we've got a really big uh, show for you. I'm also mindful of the fact, and I'll be uh, sharing with you the schedule between now and the end of the month, that we are coming very close to our summer hiatus. Those who are regular listeners know that the nonprofit coach uh, suggests that you go off and enjoy your summer. Uh, and uh, so we do not have live shows in July and August, so we'll be back in September. But we do have a fantastic lineup for you for the remainder of this month, including today's show. Uh, we always start here on uh, the nonprofit coach with page one news. As the announcer mentioned, this is a live call-in show, so you can call in for our page two expert at 347-324-3080. You can also join us over in the chat room and ask questions there, or simply email me at tedhart at tedhart.com. You can follow along with the radio links today, as always, over at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. First up comes to us from Daily Finance. Uh, Over in Daily Finance, they're making note of the six most generous states in America, although Americans across the nation are generous in their giving, it's still interesting to see which states see the most charitable activity. One simple way of looking at generosity would be to simply look at total giving, as a report uh, from the Chronicle of Philanthropy uh, does on an annual basis, and the Giving USA report, which will be announced here on the Nonprofit Coach coming up, and I will share with you the details uh, when we get to the announcement of our lineup between now and the end of June. But another way to look at the question is to examine the percentage of tax returns filed in each state that claim a deduction for charitable giving. When we take a look at it that way, the sixth most generous state in the United States is Virginia, uh, followed by number five, Minnesota, number four is Utah, number three is Connecticut, number two is New Jersey, and topping the list with a whopping 40.1% of all tax returns, including a deduction for charitable donations with a median contribution of $2,969. Uh, leading to a giving of $3.9 billion are the fine folks from the state of Maryland. Uh, You can find that list and that report uh, over in the radio links today, and that comes to us from Daily Finance. Next up, we want to uh, just draw your attention to a uh, really terrific uh, uh, podcast 
<clears throat> that's uh, a video cast that's available over on YouTube from one of the most popular guests here on the Nonprofit Coach, and that's Tom Ahern. Uh, Tom is an expert in donor communication, and he has uh, a uh, podcast that uh, we're sharing with you today uh, coming to us from Fundraising Podcast, and this is on donor communication and flattering, um, and this is a new podcast. So find that link over in the radio links at tedhart.com. We also want to draw your attention to um, a terrific white paper that is now available from More Visibility. Uh, this is on writing effective web content. In the age of social web, effective web content is a key to reaching and growing your audience. As much as there is an art to writing effective content, there's also a science to targeting the right donors and uh, customers with the right content. So you can go and download this free white paper, uh, which will discuss the various tools for assessing what your audience needs, strategies for developing credibility with your audience, and tips for writing content that your audience will be able to find, read, and absorb. That comes to us from more visibility. It's available for you here on the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show at tedhart.com. Next up here on the Nonprofit Coach is uh, my pleasure to uh, welcome back here to the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, once a month we have uh, someone from uh, CFRE International coming to us, and usually we are graced uh, with Ava Aldrich, uh, the CEO at uh, CFRE International. Uh, welcome back here to the Nonprofit Coach, Ava Aldrich. Thanks, Ted. It's good to be Ava, here. Ava, uh, great to have you back. Uh, today is time for the CFRE Minute. So bring us up to date on what's happening at CFRE. Well, several exciting things. Uh, one thing, we are in the process of uh, getting ready to meet with our participating organizations on June 5th, uh, tomorrow. Um, our participating organizations are a group of nearly 20 fundraising associations worldwide that support their members in getting the CFRE credential. And uh, one of our continued efforts to have more outreach to the CFRE community involves you know, working more closely with them. So we are looking forward to getting all their input and insight and in how we can better serve um, organizations like AFP, AHP, um, and others uh, as we go forward and have a real partnership with them. Um, we're also looking forward to the second testing window of the year. So that starts on June 7th. So everyone who's testing uh, during the second testing window, uh, we give them our best wishes and know they'll do well. Well, we certainly wish everyone well. As we draw attention to CFRE, we are providing a link to your website over at tedhart.com in the radio links for today's show. I'm mindful, Ava, of the fact that uh, we are winding down for the first half of the year. The nonprofit coach will be on summer hiatus for July and August. So given the fact that our CFRE Minute is once a month, we won't have the opportunity to chat again until September. Um, so what advice do you have for our listeners in terms of uh, maybe using uh, a little bit of their summer uh, to prepare for the CFRE exam or to prepare for the fall? I would say go to the website link. We have all the resources you need to take a look to see what you need to do to prepare for the exam. We do have two more testing windows this year. One starts on August 23rd, and the other one will start on October 25th. So if it's something you want to accomplish this year, um, there's certainly time to do that. Um, also, Ted, when I talk with you in September, um, I hope to be able to have some very exciting news in terms of a much improved and easier uh, application portal. We are in the process, as I've mentioned before in your show, of rebuilding our website and our member database. And so I'll be able to give an update in terms of the site is up and running. Please come and take a look and tell us what you think, or it will nearly be there, and I can give you a go-live date. Oh, that's great. Well, I, uh, I appreciate, of course, the updates here on the show to keep us uh, posted on that. And it does seem like the summer, maybe a little bit of downtime, is, is a good time to prepare for either the August or the October uh, exam uh, time frame. And we'll look forward to your uh, uh, CFRE Minute announcements in September, and it sounds like it's going to be an exciting one. It will be. Well, this has been uh, Eva Aldrich uh, here from CFRE International. Thank you again for providing us with the update here on the Nonprofit Coach. You're welcome, Ted. Thank Take care. You. Have a wonderful summer. You too. Okay, bye now.
Uh, we're uh, back here on page one news, and the next uh, notice comes to us from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Warren and Doris Buffett offer giving advice online. Now, everyone can get free giving advice from Warren Buffett and possibly some of his family's money to give away. Mr. Buffett plans to appear in a six-session online course called Giving with Purpose, an offshoot of a series of college programs started by Mr. Buffett's older sister, Doris, and her grandson, Alex Rozek. Uh, Ms. Buffett and her grandson run the Learning with Giving Foundation, which provides $10,000 grants to groups of college students who spend a semester figuring out where to give the money as well as ab absorb readings and other instruction about smart giving. The course is now offered at 30 colleges and universities, but now will be available online free. The link for this information, uh, the information on how you can register with Giving With Purpose uh, Foundation's website, is all available today in the radio links at tedhart.com. It comes to us from the Chronicle of Philanthropy. Next up here on the nonprofit coach uh, is a free ebook. Um, and this is an ebook uh, from Jonathan Poisner. Uh, and this is Why Organizations Thrive Lessons from the Front Line for Nonprofit Executive Directors. You don't want to miss this opportunity to uh, download uh, this terrific uh, free ebook. Uh, and again, that link is available in the radio links today for all of the listeners of The Nonprofit Coach. We have uh, seven ways to be ahead of the curve in your event marketing. We're always mindful here on The Nonprofit Coach that the fall and holiday season seems to be filled with special events for nonprofit organizations. Well, the fine folks over at Cvent uh, and their blog on event planning are providing you with seven ways to get ahead of the curve. You'll find this link over in the radio links at tedhart.com. Early adopters of new technology have certainly had an advantage when it comes to online marketing, so it makes sense to be aware of the trends. Now, some of the uh, the trends here uh, seem a little bit easier, and that's, of course, think long-term long and having your strategy. But also they're making a case for longer blog posts, uh, multimedia, uh, provide different media with which your audience can interact. Think ebooks and e-readers, so thinking about how your content is going to be consumed. Mobile will soon be the most popular way to access the Internet. Mobile Internet is expected to overtake desktop Internet usage by 2014. According to Microsoft, your marketing should take this into account, and all of your websites should be mobile-friendly sooner rather than later. There's nothing more frustrating than using your smartphone to access a site that can barely be read on a mobile phone, so you want to be thinking ahead about that as well. Build a cadre of guest bloggers. These are your donors. These are, as we've mentioned here on the Nonprofit Coach, uh, in the six pillars of success, you want to make sure that you are reaching out in social media to those who have influence. Um, and don't leave content on, on the table. Finally, uh, as you may have already guessed by now, quality content uh, is a valuable commodity, so don't waste it by failing to use the content generated by your event. So photos and content, um, uh, uh, guests, uh, bloggers, uh, and folks who can endorse your organization is all free content and an opportunity for you to make stars out of those who come to your special events. So you want to check this out, some really good uh, uh, activity uh, that you can uh, put right into place uh, for your fall giving. And this comes to us from Cvent, available over in the radio links uh, at tedhart.com. With that, uh, it is now time for us to head over to our page two expert. It is really my pleasure to welcome here to the nonprofit coach, a true expert in the field, a New York native, Andrea Kilstadt, brings more than 40 years' experience as a volunteer professional fundraiser and fundraising consultant to bear in her new book and the topic of our conversation today, Asking Styles, Harnessing Your Personal Fine Fundraising Power. 
she uh, serves on several nonprofit boards and is founding a concert recital series for young professional musicians. Kilstadt went on to find found the Kilstadt Group fundraising consulting company in 1984. During her years of consult, as a consultant, Kilstadt's clients included American Civil Liberties Union, Planned Parenthood, Human Rights First, and Harlem RBI, an organization for inner-city youth. Kilstadt co-founded Asking Matters, an online resource for fundraising professionals, with partner Brian Saber in 2010. More recently, she has been developing capital campaign magic with Gail Perry, and of course, Gail being a very popular guest here on The Nonprofit Coach. She's a graduate of the University of Pennsylvania and Brown University with advanced degrees in philanthropy. Kilstead is also a graduate of the Fellows Program in Change Management at Johns Hopkins University. And it's my pleasure to welcome such an accomplished uh, author and consultant here to The Nonprofit Coach. Welcome here, Andrea. Hi, Ted. Thank you so much for having me. Andrea, you really um, really are one of those people that do not need much introduction because you have done so much and helped so many people. You've got a fantastic new book uh, that I'm wondering if you would start off by kind of giving us a background as to why develop asking styles, harnessing your personal fundraising power. Yes, I'm happy, really happy to talk about that. I'm happy to talk about the whole concept of asking styles. Uh, you know, sometimes when you've been in a business for quite a long time, you, um, I think we all do this, we, we take certain things for granted. And one of the things that I took for granted for many years was the idea that there is one way, a best way, to ask someone for money. Right? That's sort of, you know, you sort of think you have to learn how to do it in the way that's best. And as a as a consultant in the nonprofit world, I did a lot of training. You know, I, people would hire me to help with a capital campaign, and I would go and train their volunteers to ask. And at the end of a bunch of these trainings, and I, I think I'm a pretty good trainer, frankly. But at the end well, of these trainings, you certainly have that reputation. Yeah, well, I think I'm I think I'm I'm pretty good at it. And and so it was very humbling when at the end of some of these trainings I'd realize that the people who had walked in, you know, ready to go and ask and just excited to learn a little more, walked out excited and ready to ask. And the people who walked in timid and not sure they could ever master this asking business walked out timid and not sure they could master the asking business. And I, that got me thinking that maybe something was wrong, that maybe something was wrong in the approach, and that maybe there is not just one way, one right way to ask for gifts, that maybe one size doesn't fit all. And that sort of notion, that idea that, that just as we as individuals are different, all of us are different, we all have different temperaments and styles, maybe there was more than one very effective way to ask for gifts. And what I've written in this book, Asking Styles, Harness Your Personal Fundraising Power, is I've written up a very simple, easy-to-remember system that helps people find the way to ask that suits them best. And there are four asking styles, is that correct? That's right. There are four asking styles. They're built on a pretty simple um, grid. If you if you think about whether you are an extrovert or an introvert, that, think of that as a as a vertical axis. And you think, and most of us know whether we're extroverts or introverts, right? If you've taken Myers Briggs, for example, you have a sense of that. What what are you, Ted? Are you an extrovert or an introvert? I I'm, I I think I'm pretty much an extrovert. An extrovert, okay. Yeah. Um, I too am an extrovert. Uh, and and if you put a, that that axis, that vertical axis, you cross it with a horizontal axis, and on one side you have intuitive, and the other side is analytic. And you know most of us know where we fit on that too. People who are in, who are intuitive sort of feel their way into decisions, and then they look and make sure the facts bear them out. And people who are analytic do their factual homework first. And then come up with their ideas and their and their beliefs beliefs mm-hmm. from that. And if you look at these four characteristics: extrovert, introvert, intuitive, analytic, and you put them on a grid, you come up with four styles. 
Rainmaker, Go-Getter, Kindred Spirit, and Mission Controller. And it turns out that each style is more comfortable asking in really quite a distinct and different way from the other styles. So that was the idea. It was a big aha. And, you know, I developed that material over some time with that, through Asking Matters with my, my partner there, Brian Saber. And when I felt like it, the material had really matured, I sat and wrote a book about it. So it's gotten actually great response. Both well, I would imagine I it would because I, I think most of us, um, you know, uh, when you put it in terms of Rainmaker, Go-Getter, Mission Controller, and Kindred Spirit, uh, the, those of us who have been involved with fundraising certainly can find ourselves, but I think we also can find volunteers that we've worked with who um, fit in different categories. And, and sometimes I think it can be frustrating that maybe they're not just like us, and you're really kind of giving everyone permission to not be just alike. That's right. That's right. I mean, I'm even giving introverts an opportunity to say, hey, maybe I could be good at this too. I mean, I can't tell you how many people have come to me and have said, you know, I I really, because I'm introverted, I never thought I could do this well. And what I've learned from this system is that, is that introverts have one of often have one of the great characteristics of good fundraisers, and that is that they tend to be good listeners. Mm-hmm. Right? Help, help us um, give us sort of an example or, or paint the picture of um, what I, I imagine to be um, opposite ends of the spectrum. So you've got sure. the introverted um, intuitive, which would be yeah. your kindred spirit. Um, talk to us about what that person might be like versus the analytical extrovert, which is your rainmaker. Yeah, yeah, I'm happy happy to do that. Um, you should know, Ted, that I'm married to someone who is about as pol- who is my polar opposite. We've been married for a long time, and watching the way we are as individuals, really, and how different we are, what our differences are, really helped me develop the system. I kind of sat there and said, gee, I wonder if my husband, who is analytic and an introvert, I said, I wonder if he could be a good fundraiser. And, you know, so that sort of thinking is what got this, what got me going on it. Um, You bring up a kindred spirit. These are the people who are introverts and intuitives. Now, one way to describe a kindred spirit is these are the people who really are moved by the stories, by, by the people who are helped in our business. These are the people who are heartfelt, who really care. They tend to be on the tender side, right? No, hearing no is difficult for them, perhaps more difficult than it is for their opposite. They're the person across, diagonally across from them is a rainmaker. That's an extrovert and an analytic. Now, rainmakers tend to be goal-oriented. They tend to be competitive. For them to go and ask a friend for a gift is, well, of course. That's what are my friends for, right? I'm going to ask them to help me get over right. the goal. It's a good cause. I believe I've right. done the work. They're exactly. they're going to follow me because exactly. they know that I'm good at this. Right, exactly. And those sorts of that sort of thinking for a kindred spirit is much harder. For a kindred spirit, they're tender. They don't want to put them their friends in a in an awkward position. They feel like if they put their friends in a position that they have to say no, that they will have done their friends a disservice. So while rainmakers are really happy to ask their friends, kindred spirits would rather not. Now, how can a kindred spirit be a good fundraiser if they're not going to ask their friends for gifts? You know, there are many people in all of the organizations that we work with who support those organizations and who are going to give a gift. So why not assign those people to your kindred spirits? Assign the people who are going to say yes. You know, with the drop in donor retention rates, if we have we spend more time talking to people who have already given who are likely to say yes, we're likely to increase our retention rates. Right? Because we spend more time talking to those people. Kindred spirits are perfectly set up and willing, not necessarily to talk to their friends, but to talk to the people who are likely donors, people who have already expressed an interest so, in our So have your kindred spirits really work hard on renewals and have your sure. rainmakers out there doing prospecting? Absolutely. 
Okay. Absolutely. Uh, or have me, your rainmakers out there talking to the people who are the largest donors? Okay. Right. Well, make let make let me, your kindred spirits anxious. Let, let me just yeah. try on for for size another uh, approach. So your your kindred spirits might be more cause oriented. They're out there talking about the need, whereas your your rainmakers are out there um, saying that this is an efficient, well-run organization. We've got the analytics to say yep. the need is there. We yeah. can we can show you the charts and the bar graphs, That's um, right. and which would just not be of interest to the kindred spirits. They would be talking about the children who are in need and the, right. pulling the heart. So so it's it's two opposite sides of getting to the same place, and it's understanding the skill sets of your donor, your yeah, prospects. But yeah, that's exactly right. And we don't have to do it the same way, right? You're never going to get a kindred spirit to be to 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 approach someone to help get reach the goal, to help some you know to to ask for a gift based on the numbers and the analysis of the organization. But well, I think boy, your work. They tell a story. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, th- I think your work is brilliant, and 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 so much so that my my fear is that as a quote unquote profession, um, much of what you speak about here seems lost in the rush for uh, commonality of approach. That yeah. that um, because it seems to me that just as you have. Uh, intuitive and rainmaker, and we're kind of focusing on those because I think those are, you know, polar opposites that are really, really easy to understand. Um, is it would seem to me that a good development officer needs to understand that a direct mail campaign could have different approaches as well, that capital campaigns would have different approaches, um, and it's far more individual than it is mechanics. Yes, and I, you know, it seems to me Ted that that the most effective fundraising, and maybe this is because this is the work I've been doing for so long, the most effective fundraising is the fundraising where you really get to know the people who can make significant gifts, and you ask them in face, face-to-face, face in person for money. Right? That's, that's a very effective way to raise money. It, at that level, we really can afford to, to individualize our approaches. Right, right? And right. we should be doing that. Now, I would love to see everything individualized, but as you know and I know, you know, there's a limited amount of time that we have. Most of our organizations are stretched. The staff is stretched. But anyone who has a major gift program, anyone who is, is doing a capital campaign, anyone who puts time and energy into actually asking people face-to-face for money should pay attention to asking styles, mm-hmm. not only for volunteers but also for staff to help staff members do it in a way that's going to make them feel more comfortable. Yeah, there isn't just one way from the top to bottom, from board to, to staff. Now, I think it's a little bit easier, you might you might agree, to understand the polar opposites of kindred spirit and rainmaker, um, as we just discussed. But I think it's a little bit harder to understand the other axis, the mission controllers versus the go-getters. I, I, the, I guess the extroverted intuitive um, is is almost, and, and maybe you, you wouldn't quite agree with this, is almost sort of like the gold standard. You want that person who's willing to be out there in a very, very public way but can also pull up the heartstrings and understand the heartstrings. Um, but is the analytic introvert the hardest nut to crack? All right. So I actually don't think that any of these really are gold standards. Okay. If I really had to pick one, I would push to Rainmaker, I think, the people who are better closers. Rainmakers tend to be very good closers. People who are on the intuitive side, like go-getters, the people who are extroverted and intuitive, they much prefer the process to the closing so for and you so know they might not actually need get the to gift, be closed. They'll talk to you forever. <laughs> they'll talk forever because they love the they love looking at what the opportunities are. They love creating new opportunities. They love generating ideas. For them, when you know to bring something to a close, they feel like they've lost a little. Right. <laughs> right. But is is the analytic introvert the person who never can get quite there because they haven't seen the perfect data? Um, we need one more report. We don't haven't seen the research. We need one more, um, and yes. and the fear is right. that we don't want to get to closure. 
Yeah, I I I think that that the analytic, the mission controllers, as I call them, the people in the bottom left of this chart, um, certainly want to do all of their homework. <clears throat> Excuse me. They they want to see all of the <clears throat> all of the facts. They will read the annual report. They'll master the budget. They'll remember the facts. They want as much information as they can, and sometimes it feels as though they never have enough. But when they're ready and when you get them out the door to ask someone for a gift, they will do it in a totally planned, totally responsible, totally predictable way. Mm-hmm. And there's power in that, right? And particularly when you put them together with certain kinds of donors, with donors that are looking for that kind of analysis, mm-hmm. perhaps foundation donors or corporate donors. Right Now, when you look at a go-getter, the intuitives, the extrovert intuitives, they're great at generating energy in the room, right? They walk into a room and they can light people up with excitement over a cause, right? If you combine them with someone who can actually close or someone who can actually provide factual backup like a mission controller, then you have it all covered. So one of the ways in which this system can help is that it gives you a rational way to think about pairing solicitors, which is often helpful. It, it is. I'm, I'm just. I'm just wondering if. If uh, and again, I'm not. I'm not trying to, you know, sort of put any particular group on on the shelf. But the the, the most difficult for most um, development officers to place would be the mission controllers, wouldn't they? You know, I I think that that what makes them the most difficult is simply that you often don't think of them as great solicitors. But if you un- understand what they bring to the table and you you place them because of that, they can be fantastically successful. Okay. You know, these this, this, these are the people who will really follow through. When they say they're going to do something, they tend to do it. They don't well, get carried off the by facts. their own excitement. They're, they're going to know mm-hmm. all the facts inside now yeah. probably better than the author of the document. Right. Um, but, but they're also not going to be likely to um, be comfortable um, actually making an ask. Yeah, you know, that may or may not be, well, they may not be comfortable doing it, but my belief about mission controllers are that their comfort is not at issue for them. Yeah. When they agree to do something and say they're going to do something, they will do it and they will follow up because they believe in following through. Right, for them I'm that's just wondering, important. I'm just wondering um, if, if you think that if you find that you have mission controllers, and, and I think we've, we've we've all had them, and they 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 can be wonderfully knowledgeable but maddening in their their dependency on on data. I'm wondering if instead of seeing them as as true solicitors or actually um, fundraisers, if these aren't maybe your resident experts. Ah, that, now that's that an interesting. You that's pair interesting. them. You pair them with someone else. Ted, it sounds to me like you've had your experience with mission controllers. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I've, I've also been here. fascinated by your book, so I, I, right. I just I really think everybody needs to know this book. <laughs> you know, I think I think you're exactly right, though. If you can have a mission controller in in the in the role of resident expert, it's fantastic. You comp- you pair a mission controller with a go getter who is, you know, kind of always out there on the front edge of energy. Mm. And if when the when this the person being solicited says, "Oh, and you know, tell me what percentage your of your budget is such and such." The go-getter can say, "Oh, well, John can help us with that." Right? Isn't right. that a perfect He's got, he's perfect got all role. the ex- He's got the expertise right. on that. I don't worry about those things. Right, uh, exactly. Yeah. I don't worry about those things. And in fact, people who are go-getters tend not to remember those things. Right. Even if they knew them, they tend not to remember them. Right. So, right. so rather than trying to say, "Listen, everybody should be able to remember everything and do everything properly." Why don't we say instead, listen, go-getters, you bring a fantastic magic to a meeting, and you need someone who will be your resident expert. Right. So I, right. I think that access it really makes more sense to me as as a pairing or a team. Right. Um, I, could, right. I could imagine, although it, it, it does take skill and training, I could imagine a rainmaker Going and uh, making an ask on the on their own. Of course, they're they're going to be looking for the clothes. They're going to be very efficient in what they do. 
Um, the I could also imagine the kindred spirit going um, and successfully making. They're they're it's going to take them forever. They're they're going to you know have to talk and meet many many times because they can't really quite make the close. But the donor just might might make the close themselves, right? Um, because right. they they're they're just they their hearts have been become entwined yeah. with each other. Exactly. Um, exactly. So you can imagine those two really making that work. Yeah. 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 But for you, imagining a mission controller doing that is is more challenging. <laughs> it, it would be, be quite a challenge. Now I, I, we're going to take a, a a quick break, and when we come back from uh, from the break, what I wanted to um, ask you uh, is if uh, what you think in terms of the four asking styles. Um, in regard to uh, an actual development officer, so not uh, yes. not just looking at uh, um, the the volunteers that we work with, yeah. but overlaying these giving um, structures on the development officers. Yeah. And so that will be our topic when we come back, and we'll be right back in just a few moments. We just have a few things we want to cover over here on the break. Uh, one is I do want to make note uh, that we do not have our regular Nonprofit Coach radio show next Tuesday as we normally would uh, because we're partnering with the CAF America Radio Network to bring you a Giving in the Asia-Pacific region live from Singapore. Uh, so I will be uh, in Singapore hosting that show. Uh, you'll be able to find that show, as you always do, at tedhart.com. Uh, we will, you'll also be able to find that uh, at calfamerica.org. So uh, that's a very special notice and uh, drawing attention to uh, giving in the Asia-Pacific region. I'm very, very pleased for, to announce that for the third year in a row, the fine folks at Giving USA will be using the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show to make their first announcement uh, on the 2013 Giving USA report. That will take place here live on the Nonprofit Coach at 12 noon Eastern um, at uh, on June 18th. Now, hang tight there. We're going to be sending you a notice because it's possible that for that first announcement to even be even earlier, that show may move to 11.30 a.m. Eastern on June 18th, but will take place on June 18th. Uh, and then the final show here on the Nonprofit Coach uh, will uh, be Helen Brown and Jennifer Fila, who will be uh, talking to us about prospect research uh, for fundraising here on the Nonprofit Coach. That will wind out June, and then we will be going on to our summer hiatus for the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, the Nonprofit Coach will come back uh, live on September 10th. Uh, so uh, make sure that you have are getting your newsletters by signing up at tedhart.com, and we will keep you posted on all of the wonderful fall programming that we'll have for you here on the Nonprofit Coach. Uh, we're going to uh, get a, a quick update on some uh, information or some uh, services uh, that's available to you uh, from uh, Google. Uh, and as soon as that's completed, we'll be heading right back over to our wonderful page to expert, Andrea Kelstedt. Every day, millions of people are online, many of whom want to help, volunteer, and donate to a good cause. Nonprofit organizations can use many Google tools to reach potential donors around the world and raise more money. And as an approved nonprofit, it doesn't cost a thing. It's all free. Google Grants helps you promote your website with free advertising on Google.com through the AdWords program. With Google AdWords, you create ads and choose words or phrases related to your nonprofit organization. When people search on Google using one of your phrases, your ad will appear next to the Google search results under the Sponsored Links section. AdWords allows you to target certain geographic areas, dates, and times of day for your ads to appear. YouTube for Nonprofits is another tool that can boost donations to your organization. The program offers a number of perks that get your message out there and drive viewers to take action and donate. You can list your organization on YouTube's nonprofit channel and add call-to-action overlays on your videos to drive viewers to donate. Need help analyzing your website traffic and marketing effectiveness? Google Analytics is a free tool that will give you rich insight and help you increase the number of people that visit and donate to your site. 
Google Analytics can be invaluable to many people in your organization, such as development directors, marketing staff, and your web team. There are many other tools that can help you reach more donors and raise funds, like Google Checkout, where you can process credit card donations with no transaction fee, Google Sites to create a free website, and Website Optimizer, where you can figure out the best landing pages to turn site visitors into donors. To get started, apply for Google for Nonprofits today. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're back here live on The Nonprofit Coach. Uh, this is your host, Ted Hart. Uh, we're live here with Andrea Kilstead, who is the author of the fantastic new book, Asking Styles. Um, so, Andrea, uh, the four um, uh, uh, asking styles, which are Rainmaker, Go-Getter, Mission Controller, and Kindred Spirits, which I absolutely love, um, what about the development officer, the vice president of development, the person in charge of fundraising from the staff side? How does this get overlaid on them, and are there some real no-nos in terms of hiring someone of a particular style to head up on a professional way? Uh, that's an interesting question, Ted. You know, I've had a number of people <clears throat> excuse me, ask me whether there's not some kind of a tool or some way they can adapt the concepts in this book about asking styles to the hiring process. And I'm, I'm a little anxious about it. I mean, the fundamental concept behind this work is not that there are some better styles than others, but that no matter what your style, you can use it to effectively ask for gifts and to effectively fundraise. So it really is a strengths-based concept, not saying this is better and this is worse. More to the point is that I think the asking styles concept in a development shop can be tremendously helpful because it gets people recognizing the strengths of the folks they're working with Mm -hmm. and appreciating them rather than being frustrated by them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you have a development director who's working with and often frustrated by their executive director because the executive director is not good at closing a gift, right? You know, they talk and talk and talk and don't close mm-hmm. a gift. From the asking styles perspective, the development director might understand that, that, that their executive director is a go-getter. Mm-hmm. And while they're not good at closing gifts, they are very good at sparking these conversations. If they, these two, the development director and executive director, can then have a conversation about their styles, they can support one another. And I absolutely agree with you. So that's the way it can be helpful. Oh, I I absolutely agree with you. And and that's that's sort of, again, the pairing concept that you would use with volunteers, you would use with other professional staff. Um, and, and I think you're you're absolutely right about that. But but I'm I'm thinking in terms of the the hiring of the right. person. So it's not so much how do I support someone yes. in the program or how do I support the executive director? Because um, I, I think I think your asking styles are, are are brilliant to understanding that because you could have almost any kind of staff person. Um, I could imagine having lots of staff people who would be mission controllers. Yeah, um, you know, here here's what I would recommend. I really recommend that the strongest development shops, the strongest staffing, is a staffing that brings in a mixture of people. Mm-hmm. And what you often see is that people hire in their own likeness. So if you have a staff person who's a mission controller, they might feel like they should they are more comfortable hiring other mission controllers. That's what tends to get people in trouble. Right. So right if 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 you can hire in a way that actually has all of the styles covered, mm-hmm. then your development shop is likely to be stronger, particularly if you can use use the strengths of each style rather than being frustrated by the things they don't do so well. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I think multiple styles, and, and, and particularly since you may not be hiring all these people, you may have inherited some of these people. You right. can see where, again, just as you might have with a volunteer, with a staff person, you could you could see that you could do an awful lot with a mission controller or a kindred spirit as part of a team. Right. Um, but again, to the leader, to the vice president of development, or uh, the, the the person who has been hired to to be the staff person to head up philanthropy, um, I, I'm I'm just wondering. It seems to me 
that you really need to have a rainmaker, maybe a go-getter, but a go-getter really isn't going to close those gifts. And if you think of the profession, you think of the folks who um, are well-known, people like yourself and and, and others, um, they're going to tend to be uh, more extroverts um, because I think it's hard to fundraise from behind a desk. Now, Ted, let let me just catch you up on that. I'm going to be a little contrary here. Well, there you go. That's why we're here. So. When, I'm, try, when I'm I, trying to find those buttons to push. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. So you pushed one here. Uh, so when I started um, asking matters with my partner, Brian Saber, one, and we developed, we, we sort of really built out this concept and in asking matters. And, in fact, if your listeners want to get a handle on what their asking style is, they can go to askingmatters.com, and there's a little 30-question true-false assessment that will give them a notion of their asking styles. It's free, open for everybody, easy to take, takes about two or three minutes. So one of the things that Brian and I found as we were developing this material and fleshing it out is that I was a go-getter and he was a kindred spirit. Now, Brian has Brian Saber, my partner, has been a, a frontline fundraiser his whole professional career. I mean, not just a consultant like I've been, but he's actually been on the front lines asking for asking for big gifts. He's very good at it. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting as we worked together and got to know one another better and fleshed this out to understand that his strengths as a kindred spirit were tremendous because he is a good listener. He doesn't need to be out front. He doesn't need to take up airtime. You know, I'm inclined to take up airtime, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, and those make the best guests on the radio show. Right? <laughs> but not necessarily the best solicitors, right? So so I think it's it's entirely possible for someone who is an introvert, either a mission controller or a kindred spirit, to be very good at this business simply because they are comfortable sitting back and letting the donor take up more space, right? We know in the end that this fundraising business needs to be more about the donors than it is about the needs of our cause. And and the people who are more introverted do that more effectively. So I think the way we come at asking that, you know, what we bring to it is that the people who are out there with the salespeople are the, are the greatest. I'm really not so sure that's true. I think that the other skills are at least as powerful and frankly sometimes more powerful. So and and you know you should you should talk to my partner Brian Saber about asking matters. He would be an interesting guest for you. Well, ask he, him to he's, uh, he's to very articulate even though he's a kindred spirit, he's very articulate, but he will say right up front he is not only an introvert, but he's shy to boot. Now, you know, he has developed coping skills, which make him very... So he's had to be very... But but doesn't that make him, while he might be, he may be sort of more of a closeted kindred spirit? No, I think he's a real kindred spirit. I think he's... I I think we all, no matter what your style... We all learn coping mechanisms okay. that that adapt, that take on some of the trappings of other styles. It's just that certain things are more comfortable and natural for us. So, so you know, Brian has learned to behave like an extrovert. That's not uncommon. Okay. Right? Those of us who are extroverts learn after a while that people don't much like us if we do all the talking. Yeah, if, you, so we, if you're, we, if, if you're extrovert to all the time, people tend I, to be like, people, oh. Oh, I don't want that, right? And that's what so makes the world go, go round, skills. right? Yeah. So, so while you can, I, I, I think that um, it's more likely that a rainmaker can go it alone, but it's best to pair in most cases because a rainmaker can come on too strong, the kindred spirit can soften that, the yes. mission controller can um, bring the expertise to um, an intuitive go-getter. Yeah, yeah. Well, and let so, me add something else Something else to that, to that as well. That, um, you know, we haven't at all talked about the donor style, right? And, and, interesting. You know, often, Does this work for the donor style? So how do we accommodate a donor style? Because, of course, the donor has a style, too. Like, everybody has a style, right? There's... 
Nobody does, is does nihilist. Does it fit this mix, or is that your next book? <laughs> no, it's not my next book. But what I believe is this: I do have a next. I have actually have two next books in mind, but but neither one of them will be that. The what I believe is true is that if we understand our own styles. And if we understand this very simple sort of way to think about styles, then we can pick up clues about who the donor is. And if there are two of us in the room, if we have have paired solicitors, if we have a rainmaker and a kindred spirit, for example, and and we really are watching the donor, no matter who the donor is, one of the people in the room is going to be able to match their style. Right, because if the donor is an introvert, the kindred, you know, if a donor is, is is an introvert, the kindred spirit will be there. If a donor is analytic, the rainmaker will be there. If mm-hmm. the donor is intuitive, the kindred spirit picks up that. Right. So, well, but how many people can you send in? <laughs> well, no, no, only two. You only have to send two because okay. because if you have two on opposite opposite quadrants, you have all four characteristics covered. Okay, so harnessing your personal fundraising power is a call for the buddy system. That's right. Well, it's also a call for just understanding your own strengths Okay. and being uh-huh. able to capitalize on your strengths rather than beat yourself up for your weaknesses. Because you can imagine a, a, a you know wonderfully thoughtful um, yet introverted donor um, yep. is going to be blown away by a rainmaker. That's right. That's right. Um, and, and, and probably having a hard time connecting to make that gift. That's exactly right. And sometimes a rainmaker, someone who's extroverted, is totally oblivious to what's going on. They're having such a good time talking about ideas. Right, right. They don't a, even know that they're right. killing the gift. They don't even know they're killing it. They right? walk they out of there thinking, wow, they just listened to every word I said. That's they thought right. I was terrific. And That's we don't right. The they gift. walk out thinking, wasn't I great? <laughs> wasn't I great? Exactly. <laughs> Whereas yeah. the kindred spirit, if, they, if, you've, if you've done the buddy system right, Right. The, the kindred spirit who was in that meeting can say, what were you thinking? Yes, exactly. <laughs> what were you thinking? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, but you know, but I if they're a good buddy system, it, then the kindred spirit would have stepped in and saved yes, the day by understanding right. that they needed to connect with that donor that's because right. they read the room. That's right. And, you know, I also think that even if you just have one person going in, if they are aware of different styles and how they manifest, we become they they become more sensitive to what's going on in the room. They start yeah. looking for it. So even the, with without a pairing, you and can isn't that the essence of becoming a professional uh, fundraiser as, or a development professional as opposed to just being a fundraiser? Um, in that you, wherever you are on that spectrum, which as you're pointing out, you could be anywhere on that spectrum, you do have to learn other skills because if you are the only person. Uh, then, in fact, um, you you may um, you may need to learn uh, from others. That's right. That's I think right. we do well, have I'm... a caller, uh, Andrea. So I'm just going mm-hmm. to uh, see if uh, we do have a caller here on the switchboard. Uh, caller area code seven three two. You're live here on the nonprofit coach. You have a question for Andrea? Um, yes, I do have a question. Um, I was listening uh, a little bit to um, uh, your nonprofit mm-hmm. and how to get into it. My one question to you was, um, I do a lot of work in the community, and um, I host a lot of teen dances. The area where I live in, there's rarely anything for teenagers to do. So I host parties once a month for the uh, teens in the area. I usually get from 400 to 500 kids that attend these dances. Wow. Yes. That's a, that's a lot of kids. Holy moly. That's a <laughs> lot of kids. And they all come together from all different towns, and there's no violence, no fight, anything. I usually get parents to come in and chaperone. You know, the police help me. Now, my question to you is, I want to register this business, but I don't know which way to go. I'm thinking nonprofit would be the way to go just because I'm starting to get a lot of sponsors. Right. And you probably have a better answer for this than I do. With, with these sponsors. Ted, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I, I, what, I'm, what I'm immediately thinking of is who's covering the insurance. 
and, and who has the liability for these dances? Well, the place had their own insurance, uh-huh. and the DJ that I hire had their own insurance. The security team um, had their own insurance. And I'm aware that once I register the business, I'm going to have to get my own insurance. Yeah. Well, but I think that the risk is there for you. I, I certainly would incorporate one way or the other and make sure that you have business insurance. And the, and the question really is, 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 are you doing this as a community service? Uh, is this something that is there are a number of people that are involved with, or, or is this a business? Is this a livelihood for you? You know, it's really – I really don't want anything out of it. I, I've Since – I've been doing these parties. I really like doing them for the kids. Well, I I would uh, I would certainly contact an attorney uh, to get the organization incorporated, um, and uh, but I would explore the nonprofit uh, approach to this if, in fact, you you view this as a community service, and there are a lot of other volunteers who are getting involved with this. But understand that as a nonprofit, you don't own the corporation. There are no assets for you. Uh, you're creating this for the community good. Okay. okay. Um, it, it, the only way that you would own it or have any equity uh, would be uh, uh, if uh, if you owned it yourself. So, uh, well, th- did we answer your questions, uh, caller? Uh, yes, you did. Great. Yes, well, thank you, you so much for for calling in. Uh, we do have uh, another caller here um, here at the end of the, the show here. Uh, area code uh, 862, you're live here on the Nonprofit Coach. Hi there, it's Brian Saber, Kindred Brian Spirit. Brian Saber, Brian. the true ki- Kindred Spirit is here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so how have you coped, uh, have you felt that you've had to, or um, as, as uh, we're, we're learning here, um, each of these have their own special flavor, um, but do we all have to learn, or can kindred, kindred spirits just be kindred spirits? You have to be yourself. I cannot be anything but a kindred spirit. It took me many years to learn that, and it actually took our work on the asking styles for me to feel comfortable with that concept and to stop thinking I needed to be the life of the special event or that I had to do some of the other fundraising work that's just not in my wheelhouse and that makes me extremely uncomfortable. So do you have t-shirts? Are you out and proud as a kindred spirit? (laughs) Very, (laughs) very. (laughs) I I carry the flag at all times now and I try to convince my fellow kindred spirits uh, to be themselves. And if you don't want to be uh, 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 um, schmoozing at a special event, let someone else do that. Right. So, so that that's why I, want, and I, I so much appreciate you you calling in and 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 giving us an opportunity to to chat with you. So, do you find, and it may not be just unique to kindred spirits, but do do you also find that this is um, uh, better done or um, uh, preferably done as a buddy system? I I am a huge believer in pairing solicitors, no matter how great you might think you are as an individual solicitor. There are cases where one-on-one, the intimacy of that is important and powerful, but in most fundraising cases, it, 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 it improves the solicitation to have a partner in many ways and makes it a much more enjoyable experience, which is important as well because we're all doing this whether we're volunteers or employees because we care and it's not an easy thing for most people to do, doing it in pairs makes it a, a much more rewarding experience. So I'm a big believer, yeah. And, and who do you pair best with, or you can pair with any of the the asking styles? In other words, w- would you successfully pair with a mission controller or better with a rainmaker? Yeah. Pairing with anyone who is a style other than your own is helpful. Pairing diagonally across our grid, so for me with the Rainmaker is the ideal because I get not only the extrovert who's going to be great at opening the conversation and maybe carrying the day uh, conversationally, but also someone who's more analytical than I am. So I'm coming in with my stories, and the Rainmaker is coming in with some of the facts and figures that don't necessarily resonate for me 
Uh, now, when I'm when I'm a staff person, I've got more of those facts and figures at my fingertips because right. it's part of my work. But if, as a volunteer, and I do solicit, I just was doing some campaign soliciting, actually. Right. Um, so, Brian, then, I'm, I'm, I'm going yes. to agree with Andrea. You should come on and be a guest. We're almost out of Excellent. time here, and it's wonderful to have you join us. Andrea, I want to make sure that my listeners know how they can reach you. Yes, they can reach me at uh, Andrea at AskingMatters.com. Terrific. And Brian and, Saber, thank you so much for being our guest today. Andrea, did you uh, have one other thing to share? No, I was just going to encourage people to go to www.askingmatters.com and take the Asking Style Assessment. That there you go. Thank you so much, both of you. Have wonderful summers. Brian, I'm hoping that uh, uh, you will come back in the fall and uh, let us really get into how kindred spirits can be successful. That is our show for today. Thank you for joining us here on the Nonprofit Coach. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.